Welcome to We Drink and We Know Things, a weekly podcast doused in alcohol and lit with knowledge. Clinkies! Hello. Hello. What's up, everybody? Welcome. Do we drink and we know things? A podcast. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm Andrea. I'm Tom. And and hi. Hello. <laughs> I think we did that bit. Yeah. Starting uh, the episode of a podcast with the person that you've been with all day, all evening, yeah, is just so weird. It's like, hey, we're just gonna get started with our conversation. Let's but, talk about murder yeah. and aliens. It's like, I want to immediately be like, so how are you doing, Tom? Yeah. Like, I'm but quite, I already know. I'm quite well. I'm a little chilly. <laughs> yeah, you know. I was. Yeah, you know. Yeah, chilly. I'm freaking chilly for it's real. Cold it's balls cold today. Yeah, out here in Louisville, Kentucky decided to. Get to be december it was super warm the other day though it was nice yeah. Yeah. and then today it's like it was 30 31 or something the peak of the colder day. than i prepared for yes same boy i got outside and i i had to i went down to lexington today and i had to walk a fair ways to, the, to, the, to, the, to, the, to rupp arena and i had to park so far and, and like 10 steps and i had a bunch of gear with me and like 10 steps and i was like i'm not prepared did you wear I'm a coat so cold. i had like a jacket oh like that one black jacket that I wear. The reason I boo, if you don't know, because uh, this we're is a, in, this could be a divisive. We're thing in Louisville. Here. This could be, and that's the home of the Louisville Cardinals. The Cardinals. I went to University of Louisville mm-hmm. and graduated from there, mm-hmm. and so I am a Cardinal. I am the I'm a U of L fan. I'm not a sports fan, but and I'm a Cardinal our rival fan by proxy. Our rival is. UK, which is in yeah. Lexington, huge Wildcats, team. huge team, both huge teams. I'm actually wearing a Louisville sweatshirt. Oh my gosh, like we planned it. If anybody was wondering how you say the name of where we're from, it's Louisville. Louisville. <laughs> Louisville. Yeah, but I mean, I'm kind of glad that it's getting cold because we're getting close to Christmas. Crewman. I had a bit of a freak out moment today mm-hmm. what because happened? I realized how much Christmas shopping I still need to do. Yeah, and. How close we are to Christmas. It's coming for us, I was us, like, it's man. the what day is it? It's the what? It's I, the what? I always I always live in like a false sense of like, I have, I have time. And I do that in, in in regards to everything. I think honestly, we do yeah. that a lot in general. Known, lifelong procrastinator. Yeah. Uh, just because I can always pull it off on the skin of my teeth for the <laughs> most part. But imagine if I didn't. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it'd be so cool. But I, I will probably do the bulk of my shopping like the day before Christmas Eve, like an absolute dingus. <laughs> And wonder why I can't find anything and <laughs> Right. And why you're battling crowds and you're so pissed off. Where the are all the world? sales everybody's been talking about? <laughs> nothing is on sale and there's nothing left. I mean I did go I we talked about it. I did go out Black Friday shopping and got yeah. some, but I still like And I got your mom to snag me a few items as well. What? Was, yeah, I've been I was I was in a deep convo with your moms and Natalie the whole day. What the cheeky. Not deep, but we were there was communication for okay. sure. Okay. Yeah. Cheeky. Yeah. Um. I just know that I still want to order things online. I would get and to that's that. That's where that's already I getting would get like the cut fuck off. To that. Yeah. yeah. So that's stressing me out a little bit. But you know, that's what it is. I do it every year. Mm-hmm. 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 It's just how I operate. I'm. A, I'm a no. I'm gonna come down to the wire. I'm gonna <laughs> spend a bucket of money on knee-jerk gifts. Yeah. Right. And well, overspend. Just be like, oh, I love you. It's all I could find. So. <laughs> Thanks for this uh, 
meat thermometer. <laughs> yeah, it has three different settings. <laughs> For all that cool stuff that I cook. Thanks. <laughs> On a positive note, we got my computer fixed. Yeah, we're back. So we're back to a regular episode today. Yes, um, yes. It'll be a bit of a, a bit of a back and forth. We have it? been so stupid, insanely busy, though. We've had events. Yeah, I had a that bunch we've of had events. work like every night, and then this past weekend, Saturday and Sunday, I worked um, the flea off market. Mm-hmm, it's the mm-hmm, local thing mm-hmm, here with mm-hmm. my woodware by Andrea, which mm-hmm. still is something you should go check out because there's still time to get it before Christmas. Yeah. Um, and then our vehicle broke down, like which was great, which has happened a few times now. Yeah. And uh, so I, 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 I got it. I got it all the way everything fixed. Back. Yeah. So we're back in we're back in action. We're back in acting to acting. But yeah, it was it was fun to have my stuff out and yeah, you did really well. We you did, did really all right. Well. Super cool, super cool little um, not little at all. It was a big show. Yeah, just like all these different vendors selling their wares and stuff. Some super cool stuff. Mostly your stuff was mostly really my cool, stuff, though, but yeah, you can mostly. see it at woodwarebyandrea.com. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Although I was super frustrated because as we were packing up to leave, we had just bought like a jar of stuff for somebody yeah, it, as it, a gift. It's really funny because the people that are starting this company, um, it's a it's a it's like a sauce kind of. It's like a chili jam that it's my jam. Yeah, it's it. so fucking good. Green chili jam, so good. But the company that's making is the company that I used to work for when I was right. in the restaurant business, and now they're starting like a. Like a merchandise, and thing. so we bought a jar of it to give as a gift. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and they I, were, we was on as a side, really quick. They were super cool because they gave us a free jar, sure. and then we wanted to go support them, so we went to get another jar. Yeah, and I picked up the bag that it was in, and the handle completely ripped off the bag, mm-hmm. and it shattered into the floor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was just glad that the jam didn't actually it go smelled, out everywhere. At least it smelled. It was like at least I'm enjoying the seven dollars in fragrance. That I, paid <laughs> I was for. so mad. I was like, oh yeah. look, one gift that I'm I've gotten mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. They had had Sweet. problems with those bags. They were saying, I hope they, if anybody, you know, I hope they, I hope they get that figured out. Oh, yeah. Get some sturdier bags, guys. I mean, I was pretty bummed because it was too late. They were already gone. We couldn't go buy yeah. another jar. Yeah. Oh, well. Also, I'm starting, my voice is starting to come back. I still sound a little funny, but. You sound great, babe. I know for the Let's Not Meet last episode, if you didn't listen, go listen. We did Let's Not Meet stories mm-hmm. 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 and got really great responses from the people yeah. Who let us the use people, their stories. Yeah. I think we got some new listeners, which is really cool. Yeah, man. It was fun to do it. It was fun. We're going to do more of them. So just if you don't like those, don't listen. But they're pretty fucking cool. And if you don't like, don't listen. Don't talk. Don't just listen. <laughs> God, that guy was the fucking worst. We be voice killer episode. I don't know. A couple wins back. You should go find it. <laughs> it's one of them. Yeah. We make it really easy for people to find our episodes because we name them really like cryptically like. Gives nothing away in the title for the most part. So it's like, Makes what, was it so... what was that one? Ep- what was that one episode? I can't... Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. Uh, I don't know. Ham sandwich that shit. Just, go find it. Just go find it. Buddy. Dip your tit. Dip your tit in that ham sandwich. Some episodes. Mm. <laughs> Those are all the obligatory plug. Oh, woof. You know, woof. that guy a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> well, we. Okay. I guess it's the time to you know. Yeah. So normally we go back and forth, and I'll tell Andrea a story. She'll tell me a story, and if and if, we're still doing that. Yeah, we're still doing that. This episode. And you're going to get both both of our stories. Mm-hmm. But we don't remember. Like, the way that we did it, it was like I did a story and then Tom Things did got, a story and then we just did Let's Not Meet. So we Things don't really know wonky. who should go first. So we're going to reset the who goes first by playing a little uh, 
uh, rock, paper, Rochambeau, scissors. yeah, a little, little rock, paper, scissors right quick. Yeah. And let's see who goes first. Ready it's go. going to be really great visuals for the listeners. <laughs> yep. Yep. Turn your sound on. Okay. What are we going to, so we're rock, paper, scissors, uh, scissoring it. Oh. <laughs> How do, what is this? Best out of. <laughs> Two out of three. Two out of three. We'll go really fast. It's Ready? rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Don't Let's be make sure a we get the it. We get the slaps in the... Oh, that's good. Oh, that, that sounds that kind of funny, That already actually. picks up. <laughs> <laughs> We're keeping Guys, it this is a fist on a palm. <laughs> it certainly is. Okay, okay ready? ready? <laughs> rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Oh, we both yeah, got both scissors. Dubs. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Oh, what the fuck? We both did paper. Rock, uh-oh. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Premature beating there. <laughs> Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Oh, Ooh. I got scissors. You got paper. Fuck. Okay, so now okay. we keep going. Yes. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Uh, <laughs> same strategy again. <laughs> okay. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. <laughs> I got the same thing again. We're both shook now. All right, let's go. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Oh. What's up? So he got rock, crush my scissors. So now we're. We're one for one. This next I one. I didn't think this was going to take so this long. Next one, sorry. sorry. Just deal with it, you fucks. Okay. Jesus. Well, shit. All right. <laughs> Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Oh! Your boy's going first. Oh, I was going to say you choose, so I guess you choose to go first. He beat me. Mm-hmm. That paper sometimes come through on the clutch. You should have gone really good with it and done Rock, paper, scissors, lizard, Spock. Yeah, but I've never... I don't really fuck with Big Bang Theory. Well, we watched a whole bunch of it the other night. And yeah, we don't talk about that on air, though. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're going to go first? Yes. All right. Yes. Yes. Right, I'm ready. All right. I get to c- catch a buzz while I listen. Oh, I'm drinking. It's going to make great, great for podcasting. I'm drinking uh, rosé. I'm drinking the same. Boda box. Yeah. 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 Never mind. You don't need to know the brand. We're drinking wine. They don't sponsor We're us. We're fucking drinking wine. They don't own us. They, they kind of do. They though. could if they wanted to. I mean, absolutely. <laughs> Bring that shit in on a pallet, cuz. <laughs> Hell yeah. Since it's the Christmas season, in the spirit of Christmas, I thought I would go full fucking Scrooge, Ghost of Christmas Past, and pluck a Christmas story. Oh, you literally wrote that in your notes? Yeah. Oh my God, great. (laughs) And pluck a Christmas story from the year 1929. Oh, all right. Going back. We're going a little ways back. A little bit. We're going to be talking about a family. I'm going to tell you a Christmas story about a family, and I'm going to just begin at the beginning, okay? I feel like... It's not going to be a happy Christmas story. What? <laughs> just because the way that we do stories on our podcast, and for you to say that you're going to tell me a Christmas story. It's a Christmas story. Buddy, buddy, Merry Christmas. It's going to be happy. Listen, buddy, Merry Christmas. It's not going to be happy Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> this is a Christmas story right here, buddy. Also, we have the we have the dogs in, in different separated if they're still tuning in they know the dogs they know but the we have fucking a, dogs we have are gonna be swapped. normally we have snow upstairs uh-huh. and he's downstairs and so he's just it, listen a, that was really insensitive that was really insensitive to people that maybe can't spell i just well, i don't want to say his name his name is snow oh you might hear him whine. But he's a little whiny bitch so he's gonna be crying through the whole <laughs> thing uh. okay charlie davis lawson was a tobacco farmer born on May the 10th, 1886. 1886. 1886, yep. 1886. Yep. Yeah, you you almost got it. <laughs> <laughs> but we got things to do. I'm going to move on. 
He married Fanny Manring. Fanny? Fanny. She got oh. a fanny, didn't she? Fanny. English folk know what that means. Yeah. Dirty. Fanny is your, your front bottom. Your front bottom. <laughs> that rolled off your tongue so comfortably. Like you, That was like what you call it all the time. <laughs> He married. Oh, so he married. So sexy. Listen, show some respect to Fanny. You show Isn't re- that her name? Oh no, that's Franny. I was trying to. This think. Is, Isn't the kid's name on Shameless? If that's we Franny. If we haven't said enough, her name is Fanny. They married in 1911. She married Charlie. We said Fanny so many times. I don't know if we remember Charlie. Did they become like a solid pack? Uh, yep, Charlie and Fanny. And these, a pack. Mm-hmm. Fanny, Fanny Two pack. pack. Oh, Charlie was in the... No, but they do have a pack of fucking children. They have oh. eight kids. Oh! They have eight kids. Gee, money. Uh, and I'm going to tell you all their names right now. Great. And I want you... To remember uh, all of them? Uh, you're expected to remember Sweet. them intimately. Uh-huh. Um, the years they were Fanny's born, their ages. Kids intimately. All of, for all... Well, not gross. <laughs> Jesus. They all came out of Fanny's Fanny. Oh, my gosh. You're going to regret saying that. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. I got to stop talking until I get the bulk of where yeah, we're going we're not here. even in it yet, You're right. Dude. Okay. Okay. Go. So, their children, in order from youngest, or I'm sorry, oldest to youngest, was Mary. Fred. Stop it. Sorry. You stop it. <laughs> are you ready to... Are Greg. you ready? Bob. Okay, go. Mary, who was born in 1912. Arthur, who was born in 1913, uh, his, w- this is kind of weird because two of the, ki- four of the kids have like the same fucking name, but they were called other stuff. They were called oh, middle names. because that was like the passed down name. Yeah. Just... So like the next kid who's the eldest boy was James Arthur, but he went by Arthur. He was born in 1913. Yeah. Okay. We have William who was born in 1914, but died from illness Aww. in 1920 so when he was six years old he, he damn he died that's yeah sad. i mean that was kind of the times though sure but Medi- i mean i mean not it so- doesn't feel like it was a i mean we're coming out of the 1800s sure. this is only what 40 years you know 40 ish years after the fucking like, civil war ended or but that whatever was like so the freaking titanic yeah it was only was like it was 1912 right so i mean yeah you're you're you better be remembering these names um uh, carrie who was born in 1917 i don't even know how many kids you said at this point lucinda four, who was five well i don't know is now. lucinda the fifth one two three four five yes okay lucinda who also went by mabel or maybell i don't know it's two l's so it's either mabel I or for maybell. sure you were gonna say lucy <laughs> lucinda mabel was her middle name so she gotcha. went by her middle name uh james raymond and then finally mary lou who was born? Who was born in the same year as our story? So she's still just a baby. On this okay. Christmas. Oh, buddy. Okay. Hold on to your butts, buddies, because it's going to be a fun Christmas story. I bet. They were not wealthy folks by any stretch of the term. So and they maybe should have stopped having so many freaking kids. They probably weren't wealthy because of that. Oh well, true. But they, for the longest time, worked and lived close to Charlie's. Family, Charlie's brother, Marion, they lived close to them and they were like sharecroppers or tenant farmers, meaning they rented land from somebody, growed, you know, grew crop. Growed. Gro- we growed some fucking <laughs> corn this year. Turned out fucking great. We gonna grow some more next year. No, I've been, I done growed stuff my whole life, buddy. Did you say where we were at? I, f- I don't know. I'm, get, I'm actually okay. gonna get to that. Oh, okay. You know, growing tobacco, renting land, saving money. 
and he scraped up enough cash to buy his own farm in 1927 adjacent to his brother's place off Brook Cove Road in Germantown, North Carolina. North Carolina. Yep. Okay. Sorry, it took me a minute to get to where we were. That's okay. But, you know, all journeys take I time. I just was, I couldn't remember if you said where we were or not. Originally, I'm pretty sure Charlie was from a place called Lawsonville. From Lost? Lawsonville. Because oh. he's, he's Charlie, Charlie Lawson. His last name is Lawson and he's from gotcha. a town. Okay. That it was, but I don't know if there was any like affiliation with his kin to having ownership of like shit in that town or whatever. But he was from a place called Lawsonville, Lawsonville and he was Charlie Lawson. Okay. But they ended up settling in Germantown, North Carolina. A week or so before Christmas, 1929, Charlie gathers his whole family up all into one room. Mm -mm. No, he doesn't. And takes everyone out to buy all new clothes. Christmas carols. Yep. I wanted to. I wanted to make you feel like I was gonna do something cheeky there. Like Wait, I was gonna he, be like, he does actually. He gets go everybody take together. To go and he's like, we're, guys, we're all gonna go get, go get some new clothes as part of a Christmas surprise. They don't have money. Let's everyone buy exactly. Let's let's everyone buy whatever they want. So the whole tribe got like just dapper as hell. Oh God! And went. He's dr- mm. yeah. And Charlie surprises them with having a family picture taken, which I think we'll share on the uh, website and the Insta because it's. It comes. It might come back into play. I don't know. Okay. Oh it, my God. Okay. It's a random ass and expensive experience he gives his family that day. We're talking like 1929. Seven kids to outfit. This guy's a farmer. And, a, and for basically the, the same thing as having like a, a photo shoot, like doing yeah. like a you know. Yeah. In, in 1929, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Uh, most people in their economic standing had never even had their picture taken. Whoa. Wolf. I only mentioned this because we're going to... Yeah, but whoa. whoa and wolf. Whoa. Wolf. We're going to come back to the picture. Maybe. I assume. Maybe, maybe not. It's just a weird thing that happened. A fun thing that happened, maybe. Maybe this is a fun story. So now we're going to talk about Christmas morning. My guy, Arthur. And if you remember, I said there was going to be a quiz. Arthur is which son? We just... We literally just... I'm just kidding. There's, I already forgot to. Okay. I had to write it down. He's the eldest son. I was going to say it was one of them. Yeah, he certainly was one of them. <laughs> He's the eldest boy. He was having a Christmas. He was going to go hunting with his cousin Christmas morning. So they, these are rural people, and they literally hunted for their dinner. They they were hunting people. This is not something they were hunting people. They were they were hunting. People. <laughs> they were hunting. They were people. cannibals. Well, they get hungry sometimes. <laughs> you ruined my whole Sorry. fucking thing. <laughs> you already figured it out. They were people no. of hunting. Things. Yes, they were they were hunters. There and he, it is. <laughs> and since their family lived adjacent to Charlie's brother's farm, he was going hunting with his cousin. Okay. And Mary, the eldest daughter, her name is Mary, she's the <laughs> eldest daughter. They she was making a cake for the Christmas celebration. Since they lived so close to Charlie's brother, they were all going over there after they had their own family celebration. Mm-hmm. This cake, by the way, I found this was really fucking gross. Uh, but I think it's a sign of the time. It was decorated and stuffed with raisins. Yeah, that's a big, that's a common thing. That's terrible. It's like they. It's like white cake with raisins. <gasps> what? You just. What happened? Dude? I know, like, I know you a see that true cake? crime story with a white cake with raisins. Well, maybe. I think I, I, I never have... said that this was true crime. Okay. That just like, I had like a, uh, moment. <laughs> 
where I might know the fuck a little bit. It's probably a, a little story, bit because I don't even. I never said that this was a true crime. Right. Right. I know you didn't. I do the conspiracies and stuff and aliens. Yeah. You do the true crime. That fucking cake just like. Yeah. Opened up a door of possibilities it's in my weird brain. That I even, it's weird that I even mentioned it. Like, what if it's like a relevant part of the story? That'd be crazy. I think it doesn't ever get eaten. The family. What a, oh. That would be such a waste of cake. <laughs> Wouldn't that just be such a waste of cake? Okay, tell. The dogs oh. want some of that cake. Okay. So Mary's making her fucking weird raisin cake, and Arthur comes home because he ran out of shells. Oh, gun shells. He ran out of shotgun it's shells. Like seashells? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and he asks Charlie, his pops, his dad, if he has any shells he could borrow. Mm hmm. Charlie says, no, but he does send Arthur into town nearby to grab some and have him pick some up for him. So I thought that was weird because it was like, wasn't this Christmas? Yeah. But this is back in the day. And, and when a lot of these old towns, the shopkeepers would live above their shops or like right on top of their shops or really near their shops. Yeah. Well, and in um, in a Christmas Carol, he's like. You fella, go get the turkey from the shop. Yeah, like and open. it was Christmas Day. Yeah. yeah, and it wasn't uncommon apparently. And so it was a small well, they had to area. Make men's, and and men, not, men's, not, men's not, sheets. <laughs> men's eat. Men's eat. <laughs> they had to make ends meet anywhere yes. they could, probably. So yeah, and this is back in the day, and a lot of these old times, as I said, they would these people would live super sure. close or on top of there, and apparently it wasn't a weird thing to go knock on someone's door on Christmas looking for shotgun shells. Wow. All right. So off he goes. A little while later. Two of the sisters, Carrie and Lucinda, who is also known as Mabel, start mm-hmm. off towards their uncle and aunt's house, frolicking about as they went. Because it's freaking Christmas. Oh, my God. Everybody's geeked. It's Christmas. North Carolina in It was cold December. as December. Well. It was it was cold. It was apparently. Cold as night. <laughs> um, it was a super, super bad winter that year, apparently. Oh. And it was and they were very out cold. And they hunted like every day. Sure. It was like what they did. They needed fucking food. I guess deer and yeah, R- uh, rabbits, turkey, rabbits. I think they was hunting. They was hunting rabbits. Oh. Wait, do they have wild turkey in North Carolina? We have wild turkey here. We definitely, we definitely got that bourbon. That wild turkey bourbon. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wild turkey bourbon. For anyone who didn't understand what he just said. Wild turkey bourbon. They understood it. They like. Okay, it. what's happening? They're frolicking. That's so something. Carrie and Mabel are on their way to their aunt and uncle's house. And as they passed one of the tobacco farms, which is about 500 yards from the house, Charlie, who is their father, Mm -hmm. who had been hiding behind it, jumps out, surprising the girls before shooting them both down (gasps) with his shotgun. What? Which didn't kill them instantly, so he bludgeoned them to death. Oh! And drag them into no! his barn before arranging their bodies by crossing their arms and placing rocks underneath their heads. Carrie was 12 and Mabel was 7. Oh my god. What did he blunting them with? The gun? The rifle or uh, whatever? Probably something. <gasps> something. Oh, okay. It wasn't, I didn't this hear what he This is not a happy Christmas story. Mm. Well, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Cat's out of the bag on that one. Oh. Please here. tell me this is just the ghost of what yet could come or something. <laughs> we'll make the most Christmas every day. 
From here, Charlie walks back to the house where Franny, his wife. I have a feeling that this is going to continue. Was sitting on the porch. Oh, my God. He shot her down right there on the porch and moved inside where he found his eldest daughter, Mary, who was making the cake. She was 17. And it looks like she, from what I, I heard and saw and from some pictures and stuff, she had tr- she like was like turning away from him or something. Like she was trying to grab like a fire poker to defend herself. Jeez. And he blasted her. Because like, he came out with her with a gun. Yeah, and she landed super awkward. So they were like, she must have been turned around. <gasps> oh my God. She was 17. He, the cake was okay. I'm sorry. I'm just, are you really making jokes right now? No, because this is awful. Yeah, but for your the cake the cake is in, was intact at this point. Oh my god! Now, what the fuck? After he shoots her down, James, who was four, and Raymond, no, who was two, baby, tried to hide. <gasps> and well, I don't know how anybody knows that because nobody maybe because where they were there found. Was, okay, so we're gonna talk about it later. But there was a few books written about this. And one of the people interviewed for this book, and this is not something that I, I, I dedicated a bunch of research to, but it was apparently an eyewitness and what? was and fled and was able to escape and never talked about it until he was on his deathbed. Oh, holy shit. But he said he saw the thing. He saw it all happen. And because so it was Christmas and it was I guess it was a small community. There were people coming in and out Christmas, you know, it was a Christmas. It was a Christmas. <laughs> And so there was apparently this kid in there who was obviously maybe one of the friends of one of these, because there's a thousand fucking kids. Right. There's seven kids. and Or another or neighbor kids. or something. Who knows? Yeah, seven kids. And uh, yeah, and so, but the kid like fled and was like. Were there seven or eight kids? There were eight, but one died. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. The little. And yeah. then a few more did. Shit. Jesus. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So after he kills Mary, Ugh. kills his two young sons. And as I said, James was four. Raymond was two. Lastly, four-month-old Mary Lou. No! Who was in her crib. But I'm not going into details on that because she was an infant and this is already fucking dark enough. Yeah. He arranged all their bodies in the living room, placing them on top of of all of their own pillows from their beds before running into the woods where he would, a few hours later, take his own life. Oh, my God. So what I heard is that Arthur was still in town when all this stuff started happening. And the some, other the, kid. The son. The oldest. The oldest son. Oh, my God. And the police brought him to the scene, right? Oh, That's no. That's what I heard. So the gunshot. And he obviously planned to do full, like, fam, fam, familicide. Mm, it's what it was. Yeah. But, but. Did, sent the one kid into town yeah. for some reason. Yeah, for some reason. We'll talk about that at the end, actually. Okay. Uh, so what happens in the kind Jesus. of... Yeah, so everyone, you know, having heard about this in town, was like, is like congregated and gathered at their, at this home that they they have, you know, in their, in their house. Right, and this is like everybody coming to fucking see the crime scene. And, and, like, this it is starts time. immediately. Yeah. It starts immediately. This is like word of mouth yeah. time. And, of- and they're still, they're like, they're still conducting an investigation and they, they're Meanwhile, looking for. they're like putting their fucking cigarettes out on top of the fucking crime hold scenes. Hold on, we'll get I'm to sure. stuff like that. Yeah. Oh so my God. they're, they're, the cops are there, you know, Arthur is there, his whole family is dead. And they're immediately looking for Charlie. 
the authorities. The father. They're looking all... Yeah, the father. Yeah. They're looking all over the place for him. Yeah. And they don't find him. And hours go by. They're looking... Because from what I read and what I listened to... It seemed like the reaction was pretty quick. Like I think we were in a sm- we were in a com- the people were cl- with were within earshot. Yeah. And what about the uh, his the family that was next door? Well, they weren't next door. It well, was his close. brother. Yeah, they were close, a couple acres away. I think close enough to where they were gonna ro- walk over to the yeah, place. So like, yeah. were, they were okay. Yeah, they, seemingly they were. They okay. didn't get. He didn't do anything to them. No, well, we'll get. Well, no, he didn't. He didn't get to his brother's family. Sure, it was never his goal. Marion was oh his my brother. God. Yeah. Okay. So, the cops were looking for him, and they actually were like alerted to where he was when he killed himself. They were like, he was like in the woods out behind their place, and uh-huh. he shot himself in like the chest. They hurt. They heard the gunshot. They heard the gunshot <gasps> as well as in the chest. As well as he had two beagles. That had followed him out oh, there, body. and they came back and apparently like led the authorities <gasps> to to where his oh my body God. was. Yeah, good boys. A police officer who was with Arthur ran down to discover Charlie's body along with his letters. To he had written two like notes, and it's everywhere I've read said they were probably to his parents, but we don't know how or why we know that they were to his parents. Oh my, okay. Um, it was also, he was, so he killed himself like up against a tree. Like he was resting on a tree and shot himself himself in the chest. Like, ow. I I believe he shot himself in the chest. Yeah. And he around, around an adjacent tree, there were like a deep path, like woven around it from where he had been like pacing. Oh. Psyching himself up to, to kill himself. Oh, well, he didn't have to do as much psyching up to fucking kill, kill his, his kids. Family. Yeah, it seemed like it was a much harder thing for him to kill himself oh than for his gosh. family. Oh, my gosh. So he did have those two notes on him. And they were both incomplete. And they said, blame no one but I, was what one of them said. That's and it? That's it. And the second one said, trouble will cause. So fucked, right? Uh, yeah, right? Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Poor every single person except Charlie. Fuck you, Charlie. Yeah. Fuck you, Charlie. Oh, 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 yeah. What the fuck? This was big news. And also, before I get into more of this, I think people are so fucking weird. And I say that knowing that we do a true crime podcast for the most part. Yeah, so many people flock to this place in the fallout of these murders. I mean, I, it's I, a sign of the times. Yeah, I mean, I know for there's not, sure. Yeah. Yeah, there absolutely. was no fucking protocol. It wasn't like, caught you know, put up the tape sure, and like sure. it was like, okay, hey, everybody, come over and see what you see if you know what's going on. It's probably one of those things that help inspire protocols. Well, yeah, because you know what I mean. You fuck up the whole crime scene with everybody's footprints, well, fingerprints. We, well, we haven't gotten quite there yet, but the well, it's just my thought knowing yeah. true crime and that that time. Yeah, I know that was a lot of it. it was like all oh, that shit just got mucked. And fucked because mucked and, <laughs> mucked and fucked. So it was said that um, people were like freely kind of walking through the house after the bodies had been removed. I mean, what the fuck? Why would you even want to see something like that? Blood and shit was still everywhere. Uh, Marion Lawson, who was the brother to Charlie, was stressed that Arthur, the sole survivor, would have to continue paying his father's mortgage. He opened the fucking house up for tourists and charged oh them 25 cents a pop. Whoa. Right? Isn't that so fucked up? I mean, kind of. So I mean, it up. is. But I 
Like, I don't, in this time, I don't know where Arthur lived. Like, he probably went and lived with his uncle, but that was his house. And that's, like, his his whole family. And you think that kid wants to live there anymore? After yeah. Every single member. He lost, how, wait, how many people is that? Seven, Seven total, eight, nine yeah. people. Yeah. I mean, Crazy. he had already lost the one sibling, but. Yeah. Well, he was the only one left. That's what I'm saying. That's, n- yeah. can you imagine losing, I can't fathom losing one family member two family members and to then lose fuck around and nine lose of, them of them at one time because you went to get shotgun shells which also his dad clearly had shotgun yeah shells. weird he just had plans for him you know he knew what he and was he was the those. oldest it wasn't like i also you know what i mean so he he knew every he knew every member of that well family. mary was the oldest but he was the well, oldest he was the boy. oldest boy yeah. yeah yeah he was i think he was like 17 at the time oh my happened. god mm-hmm so, yeah, after they opened this little museum thing and let people come in and out. Well, the bodies were gone. Certainly. But people were still stealing shit left and right and taking them as souvenirs. People were stealing the... So, they never ate the cake. It sat right on the table. Yeah, right? that's... that's You kind of subtly well, said that. Because it's yeah. like, obviously, this is a huge true crime story. Sure. And I don't remember all the details at all. But I vividly, for some reason, remember that fucking uh-huh. cake. And I think it's because of the raisins. It's, a, such, a, it's such a crazy thing because it's they were they were just having a christmas and they had this cake on the table and all of them became well and it's like a still it's almost like taking a still like of a moment in time of like look at this yeah they were about to eat this cake and Mm -hmm. it's still there yeah and look at that moment in time it's yeah. fucking creepy it's so crazy and people were in the raisins are people were stealing everything and so what people Wait, were so doing, people were coming in and stealing yeah so people would i mean i've been saying that they every time people got in there they were taking stuff and they were stealing the fucking raisins off the cake and so much oh. to the point to where they put the they, oh. they put a glass case over the cake right for the remainder of the time that it was like an exhibit yeah so were they not like like monitoring like the people coming in and I out about it. them like stealing shit? i'm sure it became like an issue but, but stealing it was the everything got stolen like he was like if i hadn't because he got it like gated off marion did he like gated off the whole place uh-huh. because he was like if i hadn't people would have just right ransacked it and taken oh all this God. stuff for fucking memorabilia which is so gross yeah we're gonna talk about the lady who wrote this book later but one of the people she interviewed literally had taken a jar and collected like blood from franny who was the <gasps> wife who died on the porch collected it in a jar and like hands it and like it's being handed down like generationally and stuff no yeah it was like it's like a family so people heirloom. were coming through with the body still in there no it was because it was so much blood oh, you know they didn't yeah. clean it up convent you know it wasn't like today like they just sure. cleaned the whole fucking place up you know it was well like i mean yeah. a crime scene isn't like they remove the bodies and you gotta clean the place yeah well that's a lady literally I, That's I was so trying gross. to find a place to put that in and I was like that because people are so crazy things are so weird that it's just like so this tourist attra- I mean it's a freaking hit everybody is coming to this this place oh my god I mean I can't fucking talk shit I probably would yeah I would absolutely I mean because the lack of it wasn't like a, a today crime scene right you know? it was just the blood was still on the floor the cake is still on the fucking table the the evidence is still everywhere there it's it's a time capsule of a murder murders murders uh, a mass murder you know uh, some like 500 people it, that was like their record was 500 w- people come a day came into this attraction i wonder if they even found like so okay so you know remember how you said that he 
murdered the two little girls mm-hmm. outside and then put them in the barn. He left them in the barn. So th- everybody was in the everyone else house and then the, the other two were in the barn. So was the barn also? I can't speak to that. I don't know if I it wonder. was part of the attraction. Yeah, I wonder, I or I wonder, if he, I wonder if he moved them in. Well, no, they. I mean, the corner and the people would have taken them away. Well, no, I mean, I wonder if he moved them back. I don't, I don't think he did. Yeah, I but I wonder if that's that, how they were. I we wonder, wouldn't. We wouldn't know that he ever. Oh, true. Put them there. True, true, true. You know, I wonder if that feel the feel everybody was like going and like For looking sure. at the field. It just. It, I think it's probably. It, it probably it was so fucked up. It became like a venue, you know. So like oh every area broke yeah. off and shit, you know. Ugh. Ugh. It was operation, and, and and this thing was operational for years. I think it closed in 1934, but like, holy shit, it's crazy how many people came through here. So, and th- th- now, so this is something that I think is really kind of fucked up. All of the family, Charlie included, were buried in separate coffins in a mass grave. What? All of them were in one massive grave. Why? I have no idea why. Maybe it was a cost thing. Cheaper to put them all in one. Yeah. They stack them? I don't know how it worked, but it, there's oh, all there of so them. so many different sizes of Yeah. Of it's coffins so too. fucked up, which I think is remarkable and a fucking slap in the face to the family who share a grave with their fucking husband or father and also their fucking, like the guy that killed them. Yeah. And his name is at the top of the fucking tombstone. All right. You know what I mean? Like I he's the patriot. He might have killed. He might have killed everybody, but he's still the father. I have a thought. I have. I have a little conspiracy theory. Oh, there are many, right. many of okay. those. All right. And yeah, it was said that almost five thousand people came to the funeral, largely due to the press that this story had. So everybody was just pouring in, not because they gave a was shit that the about the house. Uh, I don't know. It was in a. You know, in a, well, a cemetery say, somewhere gotcha. close. Well, because I was going to say, God, if it was at the house, it's just that many more people trampling yeah. through. But, yeah. oh, my God. So I don't know what became of the property after the attraction closed. But I do know that Arthur, the sole survivor, went on to become married and have four children. Okay. However, in 1945, at the age 1945. of 30. 1945, you're right. At the age of 31. He died in a car accident. Oh, God. It was it, everywhere. I say it just called it a motor accident. So I don't know what that entailed. I don't know. But he died in a motor related, like a motor oh, vehicle shit. related accident. Yeah. And what's so now what's really crazy is that there were there was so much hype and it was such a weird time. You know, people literally collecting blood off the porch and yeah. stealing knickknacks. From I mean, that would be that's house. so illegal. Like, you can't do that. Oh, yeah. well, it wouldn't be open to the public. Of, of course. I know. You know like, what I that's mean? not as a way fuck? to make money. But uh, what another thing that was really popular and had been, I guess I didn't know anything about this was murder ballads. So it's murder ballads. So it's yeah, it's like literally people writing like songs and poetry about tragedies and so, and oh. so there there's a fucking song uh written by the carolina buddies who the carolina buddies the carolina buddies and they wrote about the fucking they wrote a song about it a uh, murder ballad about this event what the fuck and i have the lyrics oh my god and I would like to just say, like, how many people try to kind of profit off of this is just so fucking crazy to yeah. me. Yeah. 
Also, it happened on Christmas, and it's Christmas season. So. Oh, my God. I can't. I, I forgot that for like a minute. It was on last Christmas evening. The snow was on the ground at his home in North Carolina where this murderer was found. His name was Charlie Lawson, and he had a loving wife. But they never knew what caused him to take his family's life. I thought it was going to say to take <laughs> his family and his wife. Uh-uh, nope. They say he killed his wife at first, and the little ones did cry. Please, <laughs> Papa, won't you spare our lives? For it is so hard to die. What the fuck? But the, majoring, but the raging man could not be stopped. But the raging man could not be stopped. He would not heed their call and kept on firing fatal shots until he'd killed them all. Ah! And when the sad, sad news was heard, it was a great surprise. He killed six children and his wife. Then he tore their eyes. And now farewell, kind friends and home. I'll see you all no more. Into my breast, I'll fire one shot. Then my troubles will be over. They did not carry him to jail. No lawyers did he pay. He will have his trial in another land on the final judgment day. They were all buried in a crowded grave while the angels watched above. Come home, come home, my little ones, to the land of peace and love. That's a fucking murder ballad. I don't know, this. like, not That to, was recorded like, in 1930. That's... <sighs> Maybe I need to hear the... That's terrible. It is terrible because what the fuck, bro? What the fuck? Yeah. And they probably... Why would you make a song about that? I have no idea. Do you know idea. who made it? Yeah, who the did? Carolina Buddies. Oh, yeah. You already said that. It was originally recorded in 1930 and it's been like um, recirculated and covered and stuff. And no. it was it was, it was was put on a collection of like a murder ballad compilation last time, oh, like 2007. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's like kids bop. It's yeah. like murder bop. <laughs> murder bop. Babies. What the fuck? That's totally what we're calling the episode. That's so, so weird. Yeah. So now it's kind of like time to talk about why he might have done it. Right. Right. So it's no, I mean, he killed his whole family. Okay. But I also have a thought, like, what if it wasn't the dad? Well, oh, what if it was Patrick? What if, yeah, what if it was the son and he. Well, he was in town while it happened but this is the 19 early 1900s they came and got him from the you're right you're right you're right right, i did see one thing that he could have done it all shot his dad and then went to town yeah yeah but probably not the cops were there with arthur you're right at the scene of the crime okay i was just putting it out there as a thought I mean, it's a weak-ass theory for real, so just get your game right. Oh, <laughs> You're gonna... okay. No, but I did see stuff that, like, maybe he had seen or been involved in um, organized crime at some point and something had happened. Oh. There are a few theories in regards to what happened, like, why he did this. And I think that I'll start with the the one that I think would, would resonate the most is that he had suffered a brain injury a few oh, years okay. earlier. Oh, he had been working on a piece of like heavy farming equipment and fucked his shit up real proper. He like hit himself in the head with it, like something recoiled or something happened. Oh, I don't, I don't know the term because I don't speak farm. <laughs> I wish I did. I fuck, but he he like hit his head really hard, and people say that his attitude changed afterwards. People say they probably this- didn't get the right medical attention being in the ni- early 1900s and they didn't have any money. Yeah, there's that. 
for sure. They actually removed his brain from his head and sent it to John Hopkins to be Oh my god, I was like, after. wait, that was the surgery? What? Of course he was fucked up. He didn't well, they took his brain out of his head <laughs> and they killed a bunch of people. Oh, so kind of fascinating because he wouldn't have any motor skills. But. They sent it for like testing? Yeah, and they couldn't, They there was no physical signs oh. that there was anything wrong with well, his that's... brain. But this was also 1929. Sure. And science can detect so much more yeah. you know, now. So there's so much, there's so many things that we don't know. And as I said, there's a thing that he might have been, organi- he might have seen something like an organized crime or been involved in some organized crime. But I haven't saw, I haven't seen anything that made that make sense to where somebody would come through and massacre his whole family. Oh, you know? as if he was in like a drug. Yeah, thing it's like one of the conspiracy theories. Oh, okay. So now I'm going to talk uh the big theory that I that I subscribe to about why he did this. Okay. It was not until the book White Christmas, Bloody Christmas, which was published in 1990, um, that a claim... 1990? 1990, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That a claim of Charlie sexually abusing Mary, which was his oldest daughter, surfaced. Beginning with an anonymous source who heard the rumor during a tour of the Lawson family home shortly after the murders. The day before the book was to be published, the author received a phone call from Stella Lawson, a relative who had already been interviewed for the book. Stella said that she had overheard Fanny's sister-in-law and aunts. Fanny was Charlie's wife and the mother to all those babies. Right. From overheard her sisters-in-law and aunts, including Stella's mother, Jetty Lawson, discussing how Fanny Lawson had confided in them that she had been concerned about an incestuous relationship oh, God. between Charlie and Marie. Jetty died early in 1928, so that's where this original information comes from, meaning that Franny had been suspicious of the incest at least that long before the murders in 1929. No. Yeah, this is so fucked up. More support for this theory was revealed in The Meaning of Our Tears, published by the same author in 2006. A close friend of Mary Lawson's, who is who was the eldest daughter that Charlie killed, Yeah, Ella May, came forward and disclosed compelling information to support the claim. Ella May stated that a few weeks before Christmas 1929, Mary confided in her. Mary told was her she pregnant? that Mary told her that she was pregnant. Oh, I knew it. And that her own father Charlie oh, was the father I mean, of this oh, child. I had that feeling when you were going down that path. Yeah, Ella May also said that Charlie and Fanny knew about this. Another close friend and neighbor to the Lawson family, Hill Hampton, stated that he knew of serious problems going on within oh, the family, God. but declined to elaborate gross yes so those books that that where that came from was written by uh bruce jones and trudy smith it's a father and daughter and Mm, ironic yeah bruce jones actually lived like a stone's throw from there and was a child when this happened oh wow and he is he the one who was like a potential eyewitness or no no no. okay but he had actually he what so how it worked is Trudy Smith wrote the book, the books it was two of them. Um, it was White Christmas, Bloody Christmas, and then later it was The Meaning of Our Tears. Jeez, 
which is actually inscribed on their headstone <gasps> on the mass grave. It's like a, a verse. And it was one of the inspirations that they originally had to write the books. She was like, the meaning of our tears, like this feels like a prophecy. Like, should we tell their story? And they ended up writing yeah. this book. So Trudy Smith wrote the book and her father, who was from the area near, like new people that knew them type of a thing, uh-huh. had always been, you know, fascinated and, and and interested well, sure. in the story, so yeah. they ended up writing these two books, and so that's where a lot of this information comes from because it's mostly first-hand interviews and second-hand interviews of people that were either directly impacted or knew these people and all of that stuff. He even he even as a young kid uh, tried to go to the the house, but his mom like wouldn't let him like never oh, okay. let him go and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I also have like wonder because <laughs> the 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 only surviving son yeah arthur were they just gonna like dig up the mass grave and, and just put him in, in it too well. or was he supposed to be put next i know you know, i mean yeah i don't know either but like for the would they would he just be put next to it or like you know i mean like right. he's the only one of the whole family also for the, for them to be buried with their murderer it's so is fucked up really fucked up it's probably all they could afford you know, which is sad to say, but they also... Well, they could have fucking burned his body and put them all in a grave together. I would think that the person probably handling the estate was his brother, Marion, who opened a museum. uh, What if Marion did it? I mean, there's... The the thing with this story is it happened so long ago and there's so many things that seem like something else could have happened. But with those weird notes and stuff, I don't know. He certainly killed himself, I think. I think it was kind of... But it's also weird to, like, shoot yourself in the chest. In the chest. Yeah, it was very weird. Yeah. But I don't know if... I only know that from the song. and They took a lot of liberties to that song. So, who knows? But they did send his brain... Sure, and there was not... And they would have noted that, hey, there's a big fucking hole in it from a bullet. You know, so I assume that he... Oh, no, but there wasn't, like brain there they didn't see any signs of yeah head trauma not well how much could they have no in 1926 like they could probably sure. but i wonder look at it, the physical like, evidence and stuff but there were no computers and stuff to i mean i doubt they would have just tossed it like i wonder if that's still somewhere and like who knows yeah. somebody probably fucking has some oh my gosh has it. that is such a wild story yeah and that's pretty much all i have in regards to that story good job wow that and that so that is the Known Lawson as Family Massacre. Lawson and, Family Massacre. Yeah, so Charlie's a mass murderer. Was it familiar? Familicide. Familicide and potentially like incestuous piece of shit. Yeah. He still got buried with his family that he murdered. I had heard that there's a few different things that I heard. Like I heard he was struggling with some health stuff and they were at a wake um, a couple of weeks before they got that picture taken and this is all from like interview accounts and stuff from so long ago. So who even knows? But he said like he would be, he said, I would be fine to die, but I would want my family there. So saying is like motivations. Also, the reason one of the things that I, I meant to bring up, I'm so glad I remembered is when they took that picture. Well, yeah, I was just about to bring I was going to bring that up again. It was, like, it was almost like was a way the to last our last. Yeah. Like. It was a goodbye portrait or some yeah, shit. Cause he it was, a way he was to, like, I don't have money, so let's spend what I got and, and take a, our last, like, this is us, and then fucking, uh-huh. And if you look at the picture, like, all of the, every member of the family is portraying such different emotions. And That's so creepy. If you subscribe to the side of, like, Mary being pregnant with his kids, with, with his kid, and his, you know, his, she's, you know, his daughter, 
And it was like, maybe the mom knew too. It's just kind of, and she's staring like fucking bullets at the picture. She's just like, fuck this and fuck everything. Like this sucks. And, and they all have just, but honestly, they'd never had their picture taken probably. So who knows? But it was almost a lot of people think that that means it was definitely a premeditated murder because he well, it took seems these, as though pic- it he was. took this yeah. picture, you know? So, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Well, good job. Hey, thanks, man. I'm also going to be only doing Christmas themed things. That was, I, yeah, I, I, I was asking like, what? Because that also Where fucking you... happened on Christmas. On Christmas. Crimbum. No, Merry Christmas. No, 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 no. All right, well, are you ready for mine? Yes, of course. Okay, so right off the top, I always kind of forget to do this because I like to try to cite my sources a little bit. Sure. Because I listen to a lot of different things and I look sure. at a lot of different articles. My main sources for this was Wikipedia, PBS, Time, and I listened to Generation Y and Stuff You Should Know podcasts. Because I like to get like all kinds of different, you know. Yeah, that's good to know. I should probably start doing that since you just made that a thing. Yeah, I mean to do that. Yeah, I mostly got my stuff from Wikipedia and the Morbid podcast, as well as random websites that I found that I don't have on hand. Okay, that's cool. Okay, so I'm going to jump right into mine. I'm going to give you no go into it. We're going to jump right in, okay? No fluff. Okay. Early on the morning of September 29th, 1982, Mary Kellerman, a 12-year-old girl from Elk Grove Village, a suburb of Chicago, woke up and told her mom she didn't feel well, that she had a sore throat, a runny nose, you know, cold symptoms, whatever. She was just not feeling good, bud. Her mother took her into the bathroom, gave her some medicine. Uh, She actually gave her one extra strength Tylenol capsule. To see if that would make her feel better enough for her to like maybe go to school. Okay. So it's like super early, like six in the morning. Her mother, still waking up, went to the kitchen and started to make Mary some breakfast. Like, okay, well, I'm gonna mm-hmm. Since you're fill up. this out and write them up. Yeah. Her father said he saw Mary go into the bathroom, shut the door, and he heard a, a loud thump. Her parents at this point, knock on the door or like, Mary, you know, hey, uh-huh. you know, breakfast, come on, what's going on? And they don't, they're not getting a response. And they're like, what's bleh? so worried? They open up the bathroom where they find their daughter collapsed on the floor, convulsing and like foaming at the mouth. Oh, Jesus, fuck. And they're freaking out, obviously. You're just fucking pulling the brakes right out of this thing. They assume that she's having like a seizure. Yeah. And they, terrified, immediately call 911. Firefighters and EMT and all everybody who could help are there. They're trying to help save Mary's life, but she's just quickly slipping away. And by the time she's at the hospital, she's pronounced dead. Jesus. That's how you start a story? Where That's you're how from? I'm starting this one. Jesus. You should have like 10 pages. okay at noon the same day okay 27 year old postal worker adam janice of arlington heights illinois decided that he was gonna stay home from work he wasn't feeling well he had been out i think potentially maybe he picked his had been picking his kids up from school or something 
and he was not feeling well. He picked up some Tylenol, went home, had some lunch. No connection to this little girl. And no. Seemingly, right? Nope. Nope. Okay, sorry. Took some extra strength Tylenol and said he was going to go lie down and because, you know, take a rest and try to feel better. Yeah, he's feeling like shit. A few minutes later, he came staggering out into the kitchen, collapses. Emergency services come and are unable to help him. And he's pronounced dead. Oh, Jesus. From what they believe to be a massive heart attack. He has a heart attack? That's what they think. He, they find him. They come. He's, you know, sick. Then he yeah. takes medicine. Yeah. He staggers out. And they, then that's it. And they're like, must have been a massive heart attack. Adam's family. This is the family of this dude. I really wanted to make a joke right there. No, not the Adam's family. <laughs> His family is mourning they're absolutely just lost a loved one yeah they go to his house and you know because they're all they're all distraught mourning this sudden loss and his brother stanley who's 25 is there with his wife Teresa, who's 19 Mm, we won't say Mm -hmm. anything about that stanley has chronic back pain and his wife has a terrible headache because she's you know obviously been upset and crying all day as well as his brother they're probably in turmoil so stanley asks her to go get them some tylenol she goes wait to the cabinet has the whole squad had tylenol or they've been having different stuff up to this point yes everybody's had okay um so she goes and she finds this extra strength extra strength tylenol brings it back out for her and stanley did they take it Minutes later, Stanley collapses and starts convulsing and foaming at the mouth in front of his family. Jesus. So Teresa calls 911 for help, only to collapse herself in the exact same way minutes later after Stanley. Did she take a Tylenol? She, yeah. The 911 responder said that it was like she was suffering from the exact same illness, just like everything happening minutes after Stanley. Right. And 911 is actually thinking at this point, when they get the call, they're like, the parents of, because this is the house of the the man who died earlier. Right. Okay. So they're like, the parents have gone under duress. Some, they're, you know, they can't handle the loss. And they get there and they find that it's his brother and his brother's wife. Uh-huh. And they're like, immediately thought was it's carbon monoxide poisoning. Because it's the same Because space. this is, this is. Three people yeah, in one day. So this is... Okay, okay. So Stanley and his wife cannot be helped. They both are... They both die. And they're at the house of the... the of their brother... Of the brother that I just talked about. Right. So that's three... We're at three four people. people. And, we're at four people. Because a little girl... Yep. And then these three folks. Okay. Around 4 p.m. that same exact day, a 27-year-old named Mary Weiner of Winfield, Illinois, had just given birth to her fourth child oh. and had just been home. I hope she takes a Tylenol and she's a A-OK. A few days from the hospital. She's in pain. She just had a fucking baby. Sure. She decides to take some she's extra strength Tylenol. Stop it. She ends up collapsing. And is unable to be saved and dies. Jesus. Around 6.30 p.m., 
still that same day. What? 35-year-old Mary McFarlane of Elmhurt, Illinois, is telling her co-workers that she just feels really terrible and she's got an awful headache. And she's like, it's fine. She goes back into the back room and grabs her Tylenol. She's like, it's fine. I got some Tylenol. Uh-huh. I'm going to take this to make me feel better. Minutes later, she's on the floor convulsing, literally dying in front of her co-workers. She's unable to be saved and passes away. What the fuck? Around 9.30 p.m. Same day. That same day. Oh, my gosh. A flight attendant has just gotten off of a flight. She stops at her local Walgreens to purchase some Tylenol because she wasn't feeling well. Bitch, get ibuprofen. Get some ibuprofen She buys some Tylenol. As far as we know, she goes home. No one hears from her for several days. She's a no-show at work. And no, her friends and family, nobody can get a hold of her. So finally, they do a wellness check. And uh-huh. on Friday, October 1st, they find her dead in her apartment with an opal, open bottle of Tylenol on the dresser next to her. I wonder what's causing all of this. How are you feeling about this? I'm feeling like I don't ever want to take medicine ever again. Okay. Is so, this real life? This is crazy. Right? A local nurse named Helen Jansen of, of Arlington Heights, who later served actually as a trustee in the village, was the first to identify the idea that there was something going on with the Tylenol. And she identified it as the possible culprit after the investigation began at the Janice family home where three members all died in the same day. And the same exact fucking way, right? With them all being right? known to have taken the medication, yeah. extra strength, Tylenol. Damn. Okay? That Tylenol was strong as fuck. No one would fucking listen to her because it was the fucking 80s and she was a female nurse. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, like, she could, she was like, wait, no, like, I'm seeing, like, like three people died. There's this whole thing with this time. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. And nobody would listen to her. She's fucking like, so she eventually dudes. is just like stomping her fucking feet yeah. and ends up having to, like, partner up with a local firefighter, like, police chief. Okay. To be like, Look at this. And he's like, yo, you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. The, t- the police chef was like, yeah, yo, you're right. I don't know why I'm saying it like Yo, that. you're right. Yo, I'm a yeah, police, totally. I'm a yeah. firefighter. That's not how they sound. No, but, you know, she finally gets heard. And yeah. these capsules are finally looked at, right? So it's like common denominator, right? Like they could have just plucked them from the fucking house. But the right? thing is. Because they're probably still in those fucking the houses. The thing is that it's all in different. It's not like it's it's not all in one neighborhood. This right. is in all different parts of Chicago. Right. And so for a 12 year old, a 20 whatever year old and this and that, they're not going to link them. Right. There's no reason for them to think that they're going to. Like, it's like unbelievable almost. Yeah, there's no reason for them to associate them with each other. Yeah. So after she raises awareness about thinking that it's this Tylenol. Yeah. There actually is testing done on some of these capsules. Because I know for sure with the first, the, the first girl who, the little girl who, the 12 year old, they were like, well, did she take any medications? And he was like, she just took Tylenol. 
and sort of just not knowing anything, they do bag that. So okay. they are okay. having they have it. some. Because it'd be fucked up if you're like, oh, and shit. And then I'm she it comes up and saying, hey, three people from this same household yeah. all took Tylenol and died all, in the same day. All died in the same way. Right. So on testing, each of the capsules proved to be laced with potassium cyanide. Holy shit. Yeah. At a level toxic enough to provide thousands of fatal doses. Wait, per pill? Yes. Damn. Yeah. Enough to kill thousands of people in each in hit? one in, each- in a in a pill. Like there was so much it was like Jesus. filled to the brim literally with enough. It was just all cyanide. And it could have just had like yeah, like a little dash probably would have killed him. And- oh my god. So the pills came from different production plants and were sold in different drugstores around the Chicago area. Um, the police were completely confused. Their conclusion was that someone was mo- most likely tampering with the drug on the store shelves. Uh-huh. Right? The death, the deaths set off a nationwide panic as stores rushed to remove Tylenol from their shelves and worried consumers. You know, overwhelmed hospitals and poison control hotlines were just, it was just insanity, right? How was Tylenol still in business? Chicago police went through the streets with loudspeakers, literally warning the residents of dangers of taking Tylenol. So they're like putting loudspeakers in the cars, driving to just being like, don't take your Tylenol. Put your Tylenol away. Don't take your Tylenol. Like, what is back to the future mayor shit like, yeah that is fucking crazy like why are they running through the streets like that well because i mean i probably the paranoia the panic you know the fucking just fear that more people were gonna die right so the tampering inspired hundreds this is crazy of copycat incidents around the u.s great the food and that's drug- what you fucking guys take away from that the food and drug administration tallied more than 270 different incidents of product tampering in the month following the Tylenol deaths. Jesus. Pills tainted with everything from rat poison to hydrochloric acid made people sick around the country. And some copycats expanded to food tampering that Halloween parents reported finding sharp pins concealed in candy corn and candy bars. Oh, so that's where that shit comes from. No, that it actually oh, it doesn't, doesn't come right. from Yeah, this. we've talked yeah, about that. Yeah, but some communities actually even ban trick-or-treating altogether. But it, that, yeah, that, well, well, but the whole well, 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 stuff coming from the candy bars was a whole, was a urban was that, yeah, legend that yeah, I've yeah, talked yeah, about yeah. many, many episodes ago. On the urban legend episode. So, um, the copycat attacks involving Tylenol, um, sorry, hundreds of copycat attacks involving Tylenol over other over, sorry. We pause really quick. Mm-hmm. Hundreds of copycat attacks involving Tylenol, other over-the-counter medications, and other products took place around the United States immediately following these deaths in chicago jesus that's crazy three more deaths occurred in 1986 from tampered gelatin capsules 
A woman died in Yonkers, New York after ingesting extra strength Tylenol capsules laced with cyanide. Oh my gosh. Well, I don't even know. I don't even know what to say. It's like Mhm. Yeah. Excedrin capsules in Washington state were tampered with, resulting in the deaths of Susan Snow and Bruce Nickel from cyanide poisoning, and the eventual arrest and conviction of Nickel's wife, Stella, oh. for her intentional action in the crimes and connected to both murders. That same year, Procter & Gamble's Incomprin was recalled after a spiking hoax in Chicago and Detroit that resulted in a uh, precipitous sales drop and withdrawal of the pain reliever from the market. Mm -hmm. In 1986, a University of Texas student, Kenneth Ferries, was found dead in his apartment after succumbing to cyanide poisoning. What? Tampered an anison capsules were determined to be the source of the cyanide found in his body, and his death was ruled a homicide on May 30th, 1986. That, like, can you imagine, like, oh, I got a runny nose, or I got a cough, or I can't sure. sleep, or I they got allergies. Like, let me take, let me take a very mild. Just, there's something we never think twice about. No, you know? no, absolutely not. And they were also there was another report of some kids that said that they found some stuff in like their um, what is the the main hot dog company um, the Fra uh, Frank uh, Oscar Mayer. No, it's because like they got Frank's, the wiener car. Frank, Frank. Oscar Mayer is definitely the go. Sure. Okay. Well, it was one of the big hot dog companies. Some kids claimed that they found like um, razor blades or something in their hot dogs. Jesus. And thousands upon thousands of hot dogs. They were all pulled like and run called? through metal detectors to Whoa. see if they found anything in them. And the kids were like. They didn't like, we're like, oh, we were just joking. Ha -ha, just like we're little shitheads. We just did a shitheads. We just did a goof that cost you $10 million. Yeah, right? Police, knowing that various sources of Tylenol were tampered with, rolled out manufacturers as the tampered with bottles came from different pharmaceutical companies, and the seven deaths had all occurred in the Chicago area. So sabotage during production was ruled out. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like maybe some dude in some dude in production, you know, was with, fucking with shit. Wisconsin is doing it. And yeah. yeah, whatever. Instead, police concluded that they were looking for a culprit who was believed to have acquired bottles of Tylenol from various retail outlets. They were looking for this mad. Oh, like somebody mass buying man. It's like they, they called it something like this. Like they ruled it to be a. Mad, po like mad man, poisonous man, yeah. yeah, or woman, whatever. Right, human. Furthermore, they conducted the source was most likely supermarkets and drugstores. Over a period of several weeks, with the culprit likely adding the cyanide to the capsules, then meth, then methodically returning to the stores to place the bottles back on the shelves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So they're saying like they're going in. Buying these bottles. Buying a shitload, them bringing quick, them back. Putting them back on the shelf. Yeah. Okay. In addition to the five bottles that led to the victim's death, three other contaminated, bottle, contaminated bottles were later discovered. There's actually one instance of a woman who actually had a bottle of contaminated cyanide mm -hmm. riddled fucking Tylenol and 
she was at her like sister-in-law's house and had a headache and was like, I'm going to go take some medicine. She was like, no, 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 I got some something else right here. And she was like, well, you know, I prefer that, but okay. And literally saved her from taking it. Whoa. Yeah. So. That's crazy. In a concerted effort to reassure the public, Johnson & Johnson, who is the distributor, distributed warnings to hospitals and distributors and halted Tylenol production and advertising. So on October 5th, 1982, this is the last known death that they found was the first. Yeah. Um, they issued a nationwide recall of Tylenol products. Whoa. No, wait for this. An estimated 31 million bottles were in circulation. Bottles. Mm-hmm. With a retail value of over $100 million. I would think, yeah, I would think way over that. That's, like, that's crazy. In, in close to today money, mm-hmm. that's $280 million. That's crazy. In today money. The company also advertised in the national media for individu- for individuals not to consume any of its products that contain products that contained acetaminophen, no, acetaminophen <laughs> after it was determined that only these capsules had been tampered with. So Johnson & Johnson also offered to exchange all Tylenol capsules already purchased by the public for solid tablets. Wow. They probably lost so much money. So one of the craziest things about this is that Johnson & Johnson received super positive coverage for its handling of this crisis Mm -hmm. to the point where it is taught in college courses of how to like handle a crisis crisis in like a big business. Of course it is, because uh, that's something that needs to be taught. For example, an article in the Washington Post said, Johnson & Johnson has effectively demonstrated how a major business ought to handle a disaster. The article further stated that, quote, this is no three-mile island accident in which the company's response did more damage than the original incident, end quote, and applauded the company for being honest with the public. Yeah. So in addition to issuing the recall, the company established relations with the Chicago Police Department, the FBI, and the Food and Drug Administration. This way, it could have a part in searching for the person who actually did this and laced the capsules. Because what a piece of shit. And that they could help, hopefully, prevent further tampering. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, it's just so crazy to me. It's like, what comes to mind for me is like that that picture of that girl that went viral of like licking ice cream at the grocery store, like a tub of ice cream. Oh yeah. 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 And it was just like, no wonder everybody has plastic all over everything and safety seals and all this sure. stuff, you know, it's all well, fucking And we're going to get to that for sure. Yeah, oh, yeah. that's what's up. Um, so while at the time of the scare, the company's market share collapsed from 35% to 8%. Damn. It rebounded in less than a year. That's pretty A move good. credited to the company's prompt and aggressive reaction, apparently. So in the following November, it re- actually reintroduced capsules in a new triple sealed package coupled with heavy price promotions. And within several years, 
Tylenol had regained the highest market share for the over-the-county uh, drug in the United States. That's crazy. Or, uh, you know, cult, like sure. Tylenol, that yeah, kind of drug sure. or whatever. The shit that they so, peddle. I mean, yeah. they went from 35% to 8% and then right after. And didn't, right it back. didn't even take them a year to rebuild. Damn. And then grow. That's, yeah. I mean. And become the highest one, highest one on the market yet again. That's crazy. Not even a year. Good PR, man. I think it was somewhere around like right after the, like six weeks after the murders of the, well, all the murders, like, cause it all happened within like a day. Right. Yeah. Right. So I think it was about six weeks after Johnson and Johnson actually developed uh new product protection methods. It was right. You know, they dropped it super yeah. quick, yeah. which people say was already lined up. But it just hadn't made it new, to the floor yet. Like all these new safety things for drug you know the drug caps protection and stuff were already there but they were like well no one's gonna fuck with the no one's gonna go in and mess with it so why would we need it why and do so we need it? Yeah. it was kind of on the back burner and so the minute that something happened they were like there oh, it is yeah. we got it 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 yeah some people also say that they think that Tylenol all did it on purpose know that it could have been somebody who had had the patent for the protection seal stuff Oh, might have done something so they could get paid to cause it. So Johnson and Johnson, as I said, developed new product protection methods and ironclad pledges to do better in protecting their consumers in the future. They were working with the FDA and introduced a new tamper-proof packaging, which included foil seals and other features that made it obvious to a consumer if foul play had transpired. Uh-huh. uh-huh. These packaging pr- protections soon these packaging protections soon became the industry standard for all over the counter medications. The company also introduced price reductions and a new version of their pills called the caplet, which was a tablet coated with slick, easy to swallow gelatin, but far harder to tamper with than the older capsules, which could be obviously easy opened. And laced with yeah. shit like they were. Yeah. And so this really... That's so crazy to think about. Like, it, the delivery system for your medicine sure. being... Like, what the fuck? And so your the original packaging was a box with a pill bottle in it that you would pop open and find a cotton ball in. Sure. Right? Yeah. But the packaging wasn't even glued together. And there was no break seal mm-hmm. to open the... the bottle there was no because when you think about a mega corporation like all that shit has a cost like that glue has a cost and all of this was happening why would anyone think anybody would tamper with it yeah yeah so you have a box that isn't glued together you have then you pull out a little bottle that you can open without breaking a seal inside there's no seal you pull out a cotton ball and there's your pills right and the cotton ball was originally in there to prevent breakage or it was like stuff. stuff yeah which i learned through this that they literally the cotton ball thing that's in all of our pill bottles is that not needed it's literally there because we expect it to be there it does really? nothing it's not needed it does nothing anymore but the company they it's kept there because we expect it to be there. that is so fucking isn't weird. that crazy it's not needed. I'm sure the cotton company was like, 
gotta keep doing that, right? It'll be made out of hemp soon. Don't worry. But it it's not needed. That's so, so crazy. I think it was literally like six weeks after all of this. Johnson and Johnson was like, okay, they did. They started a seal outside of the bottle. You know that like plastic wrap. Yeah. Then there was when you open it, you break the. Oh, then it was like a child, child a, a, a proof lock on the thing. And then inevitably the thing, the, you know, right when you open the bottle that you would like the smash little, open. Yeah. That seems like the greatest. And still a cotton ball. And know. still a cotton ball. Yeah. Right. There was a, after all this, obviously they're trying to figure out who the fuck did this. Right. Right. So I've given you like the load. I'm like, what's, what are we, what's going on? That's what right? I'm most interested to know. Like, do we ever find out? So they build the, I guess the FBI, whoever they build a site, uh, psychological profile of who they think would have done this right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which sounds romantic but it's like it sounds cool but it's like <laughs> it's terrible but it's awesome that we can it's do that so kind of wild shit, that like, they do yeah. that and we're still talking like this early 80s so yeah, I mean, yeah. We, still, we knew our, we knew a lot of shit in the 80s so they say it's probably a 20 to 30 year old man who is a jekyll and hyde type oh uh ordinary but See, could, they make it sound cool you right know, like but sure they're saying it's an ordinary dude yeah but could be in the cubicle next, the cubicle next to you mm-hmm. at work, and mm-hmm. you wouldn't know it. Mm-hmm. But deep in his brain, he is plagued with self-doubt, and has an illusion that a random killing can boost his self-worth. This is all their like. That's kind of profile. That's kind of an interesting thing to land on. Also, the medical examiner for Cook County speculated that. They would. This person would have already taken their own life after the killings. Would have. Yeah. Ah. So that doesn't feel good about us finding them. This. I mean, this whole thing is so is so nuts. So. Yeah. So. The surrounding areas of where this happens, they they the they end up making a hundred and forty person task force to take to chase down leads. And they make a hotline for people to call in to give tips. Wow. So they initially are like, okay, we got this. We know what's going on. But like, yeah. we have no fucking idea who did this. Right? Right. They have, at the beginning, 1,200 leads that were deemed worth checking out of people. And started out with 20,000 suspects. 20,000. Yeah. Y'all need more than 140 people. I mean... Holy cow. Yeah, wow. And they slowly got it down to about 400. As you do. That's great work. Even that, that's that's incredible. And over time, obviously, they continued to eliminate people. But at the time, you know, there were no cameras. Right. And it was not a point in time where credit and debit cards would be like leading a paper trail. Yeah. Still too early for all that. Yeah. And. Well, that's got to make. Crime has got to be getting harder that, and harder to pull off. Like, right. You know. I know. Right. So. At a certain point, they did end up having two primary suspects. Okay. okay. That's a lot better than 400. So two big suspects came into the front, the forefront, okay? Our first big suspect was Roger. Roger? Roger. You just got Roger. <laughs> That's where I poison you with oh, Tylenol. No. Was a man named Roger Arnold. Who was forty nine years old? I never trust somebody with two first names. Yeah, it's funny. I'm sorry. I, I <laughs> you took so long <laughs> because he was actually the first name 
that was associated with this case as somebody who potentially could have done it. Okay. And it was like, so the media is like freaking the fuck out. This, I forgot to mention that this ended up going on national news to the point where, I mean, I know I told you it was pulled or I'm sorry, worldwide. So everybody, it was, there were people in like China were pulling this Tylenol off the shelves. So Roger Arnold was a chemist and a dock hand at Jewel Foods. And that was a food market chain where some of the Tylenol was purchased. Ooh. Okay. So the cops end up going to his house where they actually find a notebook with listed different methods of how to kill people. Great. They also find... Is that something that normal people do? <laughs> like, is that like a thing that... I mean... Do y'all got one of those? Don't I don't have my, one Don't of look those. at my drawer over there, but... I'm looking at it immediately. <laughs> um, they also find five unregistered guns. Okay. That's a lot of... That's, that's a couple of red flags. And he admits that at one point he did have cyanide in his possession, but he threw it out at least six months before these murders happened. Where did he throw it out? It's in the city dump. That's very dangerous. I don't... I assume it's very dangerous. I don't know, man. And... At some point, his wife was being interviewed, Mm -hmm. and she said something along the lines of, oh, yeah, I actually took some Tylenol and threw up after it made me sick. But it was probably due to overeating and only happened one time. (laughs) He was testing his potency. Maybe. You know, I don't want to kill her, but she really, she kind of fucking pisses me off Right, maybe he's testing it out on her. I mean, unregistered guns, weird notebook on how you kill people. That's fucking weird. That's fucking really weird. That's not something that's normal. Right. Well, the cops thoroughly investigated him and found him to not be at all the person that did this. Interesting. I only bring it up because of what happened after all of this investigating into him. Okay. Six months after he was cleared of the murders, he had a nervous breakdown due to all of the media attention. And he was so overwhelmed. You gotta, I mean, he's mm-hmm. at this point the one name mm-hmm. put onto this, right? Yeah. What did he do? He randomly blames a local bar owner named Marty Sinclair for being the person that turned him in to the cops. So. He decides to take matters into his own hands and go to Marty's bar and kill him. I'm sorry. He's like, this dude. This dude said I was the dude. Told me that I was the dude. And he's the reason for all of this stress and fucking all this shit. And I didn't do it. So I'm going to go fucking kill him. Does he? So in the summer of 1983, Arnold shot and killed who he thought was Marty Sinclair, the bar owner. Uh Uh-huh. It wasn't? Which was actually just a random guy that looked like the bar owner named John Stanisha. That fucking sucks, and that guy's an asshole. He probably was the guy that did it. That guy, John, is actually considered widely known as the eighth victim of the Tylenol 
murders. Oh, because of because the press it, and well, because it, it inevitably happened because of it. Yeah. Um, Arnold ended up being convicted of second degree murder and sentenced to thirty years. That makes sense. But he only served fifteen mm. of his sentence and was released in nineteen ninety nine, and he died in June two thousand and eight. Mm. Our second big suspect, which. I don't like that we're still just saying suspect. Is a like. doozy. Okay. During all of this madness, right, Johnson & Johnson receives a letter demanding $1 million to stop the cyanide-induced murders. Okay. The letter said something along the lines of, I've spent 50 bucks, and the whole thing has taken me about 10 minutes, and I've already killed seven people. I see no reason to stop, so pay me $1 million and I will stop. What? Yeah. Laying out the whole thing. Cocky fuck, bro. Yeah. Which really is very... Yeah. Like, makes sense. Because they would have just bought a few things. Fuck some shit Filled them with some things. Put them back out there. Mm. This letter also had a bank account with the letter. I'm sorry. The letter also had a bank account attached for the money to be wired to. Stop it. Like, what the fuck, you fucking idiot? Yeah, if, if awesome. you're that smart, if you're that smart to do this, like. The letter had a New York postmark, but the bank account was linked to a travel agency in Chicago. Okay. Which is where all this has been taking place, right? So the cops obviously go and check it out. Yeah, as you do. They find the owner of the agency, which at this point had closed. This travel agency. They're oh, like, it wasn't hey, even in operation anymore. It had closed. The guy's like, what the actual fuck? Yeah. I did not write that letter, but I think I know who did. Okay. He says it had to have been a man named Robert Richardson. And Robert Richardson was the husband of a woman named Nancy who had worked at the agency. Okay. 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 She lost her job when the place closed and she apparently never got her last paycheck, which was mm-hmm. supposed to be of some, like, $500 or something. She never yeah, got some it. some big money, yeah. Well, this dude was not the guy to Fuck go with. easy, you know, be like, okay, well, it's fine. You ran out of business. Uh-huh. So they start looking into him, and they actually find out that his name isn't even Robert Richardson. His name was James Williams Lewis, and he's a tax consultant. Uh, this is the guy who guy. who is linked to the letter, right? Mm-hmm, okay. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who weirdly tried, this is a weird fact about him. He actually tried to commit suicide when he was in his 20s by taking a bunch of aspirin. I just like that was kind of a weird Oh, like thing. a dark origin story. He was wanted for credit card fraud and was actually indicted for murder. Okay. Okay. When police found remains of one of his former clients in bags in his attic and he got away with it wait wait wait! no no he was caught for this murder Uh uh-huh taken in but he was fucking cut loose and never charged with the murder because the police didn't go as they were to about it and ended up being ended up doing an illegal search Okay. What? And he wasn't read his rights. So even though they caught him with the body, he was let go. 
never convicted of that murder. What? They okay. found the fucking bones of the, the body, client. The body parts. It was the, a bloody mess. It wasn't bones. It was in his crib, and yeah. he got away with it. So. Well, he obviously did it. Him and his girl had come to Chicago to escape the postal inspectors for the credit card fraud and stuff that they still were uh-huh. running from. And they actually left Chicago right before the Tylenol murders and could not have been the people who planted the Tylenol. What? Because the cops knew it was someone local who had done the Tylenol uh-huh. stuff because the cyanide would have eaten through the gelatin capsules so quickly that they were literally planted the day before these murders happened. Oh, uh, okay. The capsules would have, if it had been the planted the time when they were still in Chicago, it would have just been like a mush of powder and gelatin that they would have found on the shelf. I wonder how many of those there were like that like people bought. You know, like that were just broken down Tylenol. Like if they sat on the shelf long, well, like how many he put out. You know, like well, it all happened so quickly that the, it sure. was all recalled, so there wasn't yeah. time for it to break down like that. Yeah, James William Lewis, that dude, he said he was the one who wrote the letter, but he was not the one who did the poisoning of the Tylenol. He Come adamantly on, claims that man. he did not. At one point, though, the Tylenol task force, which was a thing. The Tylenol Task Force. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. I know. They asked him, well, like, if you would have done it, how would you have done it? And he was like, well, this is how I would have done it. And, like, gave, like, a whole thing. But he goes on later to say, this is so wild. He goes on to say, it was just a speculative scenario. I could tell you how Caesar was killed, but that doesn't mean I was the killer. Okay. So he was just giving like, mm-hmm. well, if you're asking me, then we'll tell you. Well, when so normal cy- people would have been like, I well, don't so know. cyanide is a compound that you can make when you comprise. <laughs> I'm just saying speculative, but I think if you... I mean, And then dude, if you put it into a gelatin and then packaged it and then demographically, you know... I'm, come I, on, bro. I mean, like, dude, shut, just say you don't fucking know. Yeah. He was uh, ended up getting arrested for the extortion and credit card stuff. Was sentenced to 20 years, uh-huh. which is wild because the other dude got out in 15 for murder, but okay. He was sentenced to 20 years, paroled in 1995, and in January of 2010, the, F- the FBI worked up a profile from the capsules that were left and forced the Lewises to give DNA to compare to it, uh-huh. which they took to court that they didn't want to do, and yeah. the court was like, no. You're doing that. And they did, and they ended up being cleared totally of any involvement. Wow. Officially. Yeah. On May 19th, 2011, the FBI requested DNA samples from none other than Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber. Oh, shit. In connection to the Tylenol murders. Kaczynski denied having ever possessed potassium cyanide. And the first four Unabomber crimes happened. Oh, sorry. But the first four Unabomber crimes did happen in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And his parents did live in the suburban Chicago area in 1982 mm-hmm. when all of it happened. Mm-hmm. His DNA was tested and he, 
Ted Kaczynski was also cleared as to not be. That would have been crazy. But it's also wild that he was brought up. Yeah, yeah. In 1983, uh, the U.S. Congress passed the Tylenol Bill, making it a federal offense to tamper with consumer products. And in 1989, the FDA established the FDA established federal guidelines for manufacturers to make all products tamper proof. Okay. Mm-hmm. And sadly, that is all I have left to give you, because the case remains unsolved to this day, and that's the insane story of the fucking Tylenol murders. That was fucking crazy. It's so crazy to me that there's just somebody out there that just got away with the just got away with so much murder. Can you believe that it's never been solved? No, I'm th- just somebody that just was like so. I would think random. like so smart, so highly like. And it could have been what they said. It could have been the this company, random person. Yeah. No, it could have been the dude, a dude who did it and then killed himself. Yeah. And then you never, but there's no, never even been any leads to help you find that person, you know. And then this dude writes this ransom letter. I just, or not ransom, but you know, like a letter. Yeah. Well, I guess it is. A ransom letter, I don't know, but that is so. Isn't that so crazy? So I know up. it's like always oh, a lot of like. No, you killed it. That was legal dope. Jargo, 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 jargon, and all that. But I just find that so wild, and I don't like unsolved stuff. I typically it, it annoys me, but that one is so wild to me. It's wild to me because it's some like highly functioning because it's probably not easy to fabricate or to to do what they did but to, it's also at the end of the day the reason that we have all of these yeah these preventative, these preventative yeah. things on our medication which yeah. i also find fascinating because it all stemmed from that i wouldn't be surprised uh in my like conspiracy mind if it was like a corporation or it was doing the, something the to, people who had the patent on the yeah, on yeah. the you know stuff to to steal to, the bottles yeah they're not getting paid yeah or you know what's even crazier is that the company that made the patent is also johnson and johnson under a subclass but, and they did it all to to well, do this you, you know, know it is crazy because johnson johnson initially didn't want to pull everything and then when the head people came out and said oh my god like tylenol to pull it all they were like, oh, yeah, okay, we're going to pull it all. Yeah. and But they had made such a comeback. Not It took them not even a year. Like, Which it did not destroy them at crazy. all. Crazy. And they're literally taught as textbook version of how to deal with a crisis. Yeah. In in college courses, Corporate they're taught. shit, yeah. No, in college classes. Well, yeah, I mean. They're taught. I think that's so wild. Yeah, that is crazy. But, uh, I don't know. I just find that to be so insane and that it's. I didn't know any also of that. I knew so that something random. like that had happened, but I didn't know the story. Yeah. So that's the Tylenol murders. Wow. And they say that they still have some capsules with DNA on them and still holding out hope that they're going to be able to figure it out. Yeah. Which is wild to me. If they fight, fi- oh my God. It's like the Golden, I mean, State, the Killer. Golden State Killer. If yeah. they figure this out, I'm going to be like, oh my God, this would be so crazy. It would, oh, wow. What a good story. Good job, babe. We had some, two big big hitters this Couple episode. Couple of bangers yeah. this evening. Guys, thank you so much for listening to We Drink and We Know Things. Yeah, email us at We Drink and We Know Things podcast at Gmail Hit us with up, suggestions. Just, or if we did something wrong or you liked something. Just be nice. <laughs> we very sensitive. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We're back at it in the normal. Yeah, and we'll, we'll see you Friday for Florida Man Friday. Florida Man. Yeah. 
Bye. Bye.